starting a new series this morning called Our Words Matter. And uh, we're going to be talking about kind of our speech, our conversations, what uh, we do with our own words, how, what kind of impact they can have. And this morning, we're going to talk about this intro of just kind of getting an idea of just how powerful our words can be, just how um, powerful, how uh, destructive, and how uh, healing they can be. And so um, when I was 11 years old, I lived in New Jersey, and uh, I had this uncle named Uncle Chick, who was the coolest uncle ever, because with a name like Uncle Chick, you only got one of two ways to go. And he was super cool. And uh, he had ADD, and I had ADD, so um, we, we kind of got along really well. And then he also was really cool because he was played the drums. And when you're 11 years old and your uncle plays the drums, that's a cool uncle. And he was a carpenter, so he had all these cool tools and like band saws and ways to cut your fingers off and like destroy things. That was really cool. And he had a pond in his basement on purpose. Like, not just his basement was always flooded, he actually built a pond, and in that pond there was all sorts of stuff. And one day he said to me, hey, Johnny, because he calls me Johnny, uh, which he's the only one who can, so let's get that out of the way. Uh, uh, No, he says, Johnny, I need a catfish for the bottom of my pond, because they're bottom feeders and they get all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I didn't know how to catch a catfish, Um, and like now I guess you just stick your hand in this like like whole, and it comes out on your arm. The catfish in New Jersey weren't quite that large, thank the Lord. But um, so one day I was fishing in this stream, and lo and behold, I caught a catfish, a big one. And I was so excited because if you could impress Uncle Chick, you just, just that's just good, right? And so, uh, but here's the other thing about Uncle Chick. He would tell stories And he told me that catfish are actually um, electrified, and if they bite you, they never let go. And so I had to, and I can still remember trying to get the hook out without getting electrocuted, um, and I didn't want it to bite me because it would never let go, and I'd be up here with a catfish on my finger. Uh, So uh, the last cool thing about Uncle Chick was he had a, a giant cage that housed a giant snake a boa constrictor, and it was like eight feet long, or, I mean, when you're 11, it might as well have been the Empire State Building. It was huge. It was gigantic. And so I got my catfish, and I put it in this pond, and it stayed there for three years, and uh, his snake, I'd go down there and look at my catfish, and we kept feeding his snake, like, um, cats, no, rats, sorry, I get the two confused, um, rats, and, you know, we'd, you know, it's, it was disgusting, but you're 11 years old, and it's just cool, and drums, and catfish, and rats being squished, and all this kind of stuff. Man, I miss Uncle Chick. Okay, so, um, <laughs> well, one day, the snake gets out, and um, slithers around, and attacks Uncle Chick's youngest daughter. She's very, very small, and, um, they get, they figure out how to fix it, uh, like it was bite, it bit her in the head or in, in the arm, I can't remember, um, uh, but she turned out okay, just so, you guys look so, like, wow, that's not what the sermon's about, okay, but I, I remember to this day, my parents sitting in the kitchen, and I'm like, whoa, man, you know, we almost lost my cousin, it probably wasn't as bad as it seemed, 
everyone gets bit by a snake. Uh, but I remember my dad going, well, what do you expect if you have a snake in your house? Eventually, the snake's going to bite somebody. And, and again, Uncle Chick was like, man, that's never happened before. Like, I just wouldn't imagine. I don't know what the snake's name was, Angel or whatever. You know, oh, Angel's never bitten anybody before. I wonder why Angel bit. And we hear these kinds of stories. I knew Uncle Chick. To me, he was like a, a snake handler. Like, he, he was like a pro, and yet it attacked his own kid. And like, what, what's the world coming to? I didn't go back there for a long time after that. Right, but we hear these kinds of stories. There's a guy named George uh, Cole. And in 2002, he had a lion, a pet lion. And uh, he was petting the lion. Uh, and they were taking pictures of him petting the lion when the lion mauled George, uh, um, tore several of his tendons, uh, ripped his flesh, uh, gouged out his eye, um, and crushed, was chewing and crushing on some of his bones. Is this the best sermon ever? This is so cool. I was so happy preparing this one, right? right? And so we, we like look at that and we're like, well, duh, you got a, you got a lion. And then, you know, just recently, you know, the, the, that chimpanzee ripped somebody's face off. And, the, and the, this is great. And then the, the bear, the guy doing the documentary on the bears and they killed him. And we all sit here and you guys are laughing at these poor people because all of us in the back of our mind were thinking, well, duh. I mean, you hang out with bears and chimps and lions and you're not Dorothy. It just, <laughs> something's going to go terribly wrong. And so, uh, but here, here's the thing. As, I, as we started kind of preparing for this series, every single one of us looks at those people and two things happen. One, we say, well, yeah, of course. You got a, you got a, a wild animal, a, a ferocious animal. Something's going to happen. That's number one. And number two, the people that it happened to, almost to the person was like, I, I don't know why. There's a disconnect between the person who owns the wild animal and the person who sits back from a distance and watches the destruction. That somehow, if we could just get us together on the same page, we're taking a long time to evolve in this particular one here, right? What, what's going on? Every single one of us has a wild animal behind a really, really flimsy cage called our mouth. And this animal, when unleashed, can do damage that lasts for decades. And why is it that when it comes to our particular wild animal behind our particular flimsy cage, we come up with all kind of excuses? Oh, I don't even know why I said that. I didn't mean to say that. I if you'd known what kind of day I had... <laughs> then you'd really understand that it was okay that my mouth chomped you to shreds verbally. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning um, as we kind of begin this, this series on Our Words Matter. And I'm hoping this morning that you end up uh, coming out the other side with a new respect for your words. Maybe even a new fear of your own mouth, <laughs> 
Because as I've been going through and kind of fleshing out the different topics that we're going to be talking about, man, it's sh- shown a pretty bright light on my life as well. So I'm, I'm hoping we can do the same for you. The first thing I want to go over is a, a story in Matthew where Jesus is walking with his, Pharisee, with his um, disciples, and the Pharisees come up and they say, uh, they, they kind of try to trap him. Now, Back in this day, this is how rabbis kind of sparred. One rabbi would, would bring up a question, and the other rabbi could choose to answer it or choose to respond in a question. But it was a big deal uh, to have these rabbis arguing back and forth. This was not, they did it in public, and it meant a lot for the house of the particular rabbi to win these. And so Jesus is with his disciples, and some Pharisees come to him in John chapter 15. Uh, verse 3, and they basically ask him this question, how, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat like, uh, like the elders have done, uh, the tradition? Now, just so we understand, this was not washing your hands like, like we would think. It wasn't a germ thing. It had to do with being unclean, but this was ceremonially unclean. And so it's not like, um, like I do. I have a little bottle of Purell in my car because uh, I get frightened by germs. And so um, before I go in to eat anything, I, I pump it in my hand and I wash it all off. It's way too much information. I realize this, but uh, I, you know, I'll go into the restaurant. I'm like, you know, okay, it, I'm, I'm kind of a little germaphobe, right? This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with trying to make sure we are not ceremonially unclean. And so what would happen is if they touch, if their hands were not clean, not holy, not sac- uh, um, uh, sanctified, when they touched the food and they ate it, they would then become unclean. And so they go to Jesus and they say, how come you guys don't do this? And Jesus completely switches it around on them and says, well, what? That's a great question. How come you disrespect and disobey God by not honoring your father and mother? At the time of their lives when they need your help and they come to you, they've raised you, they've done all this stuff all the way. God has said, look, honor your father and mother that your days may go well with you, may go long. He says, you don't do that. You say, I'd help you out, but everything I have has been given to God. And then Jesus says this. You hypocrites. (laughs) We can stop there. As we talk about just blurting things out, uh, we are not going to take Jesus' example in this particular thing and go, yay, now I know what to tell my boss when I get there on Monday. Watch what he says. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And we're, we're going to start to get into the idea of what it means to uh, uh, make the connection between our mouth and our heart. He goes on and says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules of men. Jesus calls the crowd to them now. Like, like, like if just calling them you hypocrites isn't enough, it's like, hey, everybody, come here. We're gonna, I'm going to make a life lesson about this. He calls the crowd to them, and he says, listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. Okay? This is not what God is concerned about. God is not concerned about, are you doing everything right religious-wise? Did you make, let me look at your calendar, 52 weeks in a year, how many times did you go to church? God's not interested in that. God is interested in one thing for us, our heart. 
He says it in the Bible several times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes on and says, love your neighbor by your, uh, as yourself. That that's, that's like sums up everything. Jesus says, it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. In other words, it's not, it's not these rules and regulations. Now watch what he says right after this. So incredible. But what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. I think about that for a second. The story was really cool when Jesus was calling Pharisees hypocrites and kind of making a mockery of them and everything and, you know, kind of going, yeah, ceremonially unclean. But listen to that statement Jesus is making to you and I. It's what comes out of my mouth that he's concerned about. And you think, well, man, a lot of stuff has come, <laughs> come out of my mouth. Like, I don't, this is a horrible, horrible standard, Jesus. Could you please like, help us out? So, so Jesus does uh, a little bit. First, the disciples come to him. I just put this in here because it's very funny. Uh, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? You know, you could picture Jesus like, no way. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, had I known that, I never would have said it, you know. And so he goes, he basically says, just forget them. God didn't plant them. He's probably going to uproot them. They're blind guides leading the blind, and they're all going to end up in a pit, right? That, that's what he basically says, okay? So Peter says to him, explain the parable to us. And Jesus Full of love. I mean, you've seen the pictures of Jesus with his blue eyes and blonde hair and that look of compassion on him. As he, I could just picture him just putting his hand on Peter and just kind of saying, Peter, and this is what Jesus says in all love. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Like, that's so cold. And we're talking about the mouth, like, Jesus, come on, you just said what comes out of a mouth. But we're going to get to this. Just trust me, okay? I just wanted you to see how funny the Bible is. I love it. I love it. You've got to read your Bible. It's fantastic. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and comes out the body, okay? It's kind of disgusting, but we, we get that concept. But the things that come out of the mouth, listen, this, this is the big one, come from the heart the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. This is how he says it in Luke. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, he says this, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then if you want to memorize a little section of Scripture, a little tagline that is going to help us throughout the week and is going to help us a ton as we go through the different ways our mouths can get us into trouble and can also do great, great good, you can memorize this part in verse 45. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. If you, if you want to sum it up this way, and hopefully this is the way we'll kind of sum it up in the next few weeks. If you want to control your mouth, control your heart. Yeah, oftentimes we think in terms of just like, well, I just got to watch what I say. Really, we got to watch what we feel. There was a lady at the store uh, yesterday, and um, uh, we, we went to the bank, Lisa and I went to the bank yesterday to withdraw some money. And um, uh, the bank's in the grocery store. 
which just, I just don't get used to that. But uh, we're, so we're at the bank in the grocery store, and um, we start hearing some commotion at one of the, the checkout aisles. And so the guy's supposed to be helping me behind the, the bulletproof glass, and he's like looking over my shoulder, kind of like trying to see what's going on. And I'm like, look, I'd like to get some money. Um, and he's not even paying any attention to me. It's starting to get like louder and louder and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know if you're like me, but there's this really sick part of me that enjoys this kind of stuff. Like, not that I want to see people fight. It's just like, like when you're a little kid, it's like, fight, fight. fight. And you're like looking to try like, uh, uh, trying to get over people. It was that same type of thing. Like, it just kept ramping up, ramping up. And so you don't want to stare, but they're being so loud. It's really their problem, right? I mean, you're just trying to... And so this late, the checkout lady is being really, really nice. And the lady that... Um, I think she wanted to check cashed or whatever. I, I couldn't figure it out because there's a lot of adjectives and, that were used throughout, and I was trying to figure out what, like, which, which part of that went with that. So she launches into this lady and strings together a, a sentence of profanity that was really creative. <laughs> like, I'd never thought to use that combination... And it was grammatically correct. Like, it wasn't just, like, out of control. It actually, like, fit, kind of. And so I'm with Lisa, and I'm like, honey, and she's like, you know, because she knows the Lord. And, um, and so this lady, like, just goes off on this lady, calling her every, every name in the book, but in a really weird way. And, and then she, she says, you don't know this because she's just cussing, and you're, like, freaking out. She grabs her little boy, who's probably three years old, and says, come on, let's go. And I was like, oh, man. Like, like you know, you want to cuss? Go ahead and cuss. You know, like, it's like that, like, all of a sudden brought this, like, whoa, whoa. She does kiss her kid with that mouth. Like, like, you, like th- there it was. You know what she was doing? You know what that lady was doing? She was sharing her heart with the checkout lady. That's all she was doing. She was just sharing her heart. Now, we don't think in terms that way. We, we think in terms of she was cussing, she was out of control, she was inappropriate, she was, uh, you, know, you know, whatever. All she was doing was sharing her heart. Now you say, well, well, John, you know, we can't judge her heart now. No, I don't know what it was in her heart that was coming out. She might have had a really bad day or whatever. However, for you and I, as we begin this journey of understanding our speech and understanding our words, the question we need to be asking ourselves is not, oh, should I have really have said that? The question is, what is making me feel this way? Why do I feel the need to have to respond? Why do I feel the need to have to instruct? Why do I feel the need to say something? What is going on in my heart that makes my mouth want to go? What is it? Out of our heart, the mouth speaks. Many, many times I've said words and I've had conversations where if you were to listen to me, you'd go, wow, you handled that really well. The Lord doesn't see that. 
The Lord knows exactly what's going on and says, you should have said nothing. You should have. See, and that's, this is where I want us to be, that these things, these words, these outbursts, these maybe being silent when we should be speaking, okay, because it goes all different ways. These are all matters of the heart. And this is what Jesus is most concerned about. He wants our heart. The good man brings good things out of the goodness stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So that, that was Jesus. James says it a different way. And we, we went through the book of James in October. So this is kind of review, although I, it just occurred to me that we're almost back to October again. How did that happen? Anyway, um, and, and we went through this idea, but I, I want us to get really clearly a new respect and a new uh, conscience about what we're saying and why we're saying it and how we're saying it so that we can be a church that truly living spring is just fresh water coming out of our mouth according to the need of the moment, whatever God would have for us in that thing. Here's what, here's what James says. This is so, like, scary. Watch. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> Aren't those encouraging words? Look at what James is saying. James is saying, the tongue's a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. And is, it, is, set, uh, is itself set on fire by hell. Man, did that cross your mind in your last conversation? It didn't for me. Well, I mean, it did because I was studying for this particular message, but it doesn't typically. I typically think, well, I'm just talking. God wants us to say, what are you saying? What are you feeling? What's going on in your heart? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, there's this, um, uh, this idea that, I don't know if you've heard it, that women speak 20,000 words a day. And men speak 7,000 words a day. It's in a book called uh, The Female Brain. Uh, and it, it was a big thing. And that, that kind of became the standard. That women talk 20,000, men talk 7,000. And that's why there's all these relational problems. Because, you know, the man gets home and he's only got like 45 words left. And, then, and the woman's like got 13,000 more to go. And so he like walks in and she's like, and another thing. You know, well, not like that. But so... Uh, so that's been a thing, but, but the scientists have discovered that we speak the same. Men and women speak about 16,000 words uh, a, a day on average. Now, some men speak less and some, some men speak more and some women, but really we speak about the same. It's just when we decide to speak and what we decide to speak about. And men typically, you know, do statistics and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I don't have to teach you all this stuff, but here, here's the deal. 16,000 of something that we do every day that God cares about. That's frightening to me that I would do something 16,000. I have 16,000 chances to blow it 
in a day. Like what else? I mean, even when I eat, I can, I can only have three pieces of pie. I can't have 16,000 pieces of pie. I'll try, but I can't, you know? Like what else in our life gives us 16,000 chances to blow it? And James says, watch out. You can blow it just once. That spark can ignite a fire. Here's his other word of encouragement to us. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by men. But no man can tame the tongue. He ain't going to do it. You think, man, well, this is terrible. If it's a fire and the whole course of my life could be set on fire by hell, and now you're telling me there's no way I can tame it, what am I going to do? You want to control your mouth? Control your heart. Start on the inside first. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a rest, restless evil full of deadly poison. Man. Let me, let me show you something real quick. Uh, I, I kind of brought this thing to, to kind of give us a little word uh, picture. Um, it's a, well, you, you can, I don't have to explain what it is, a gas can. The other service, I called it a garbage can. And there's a way big difference between a garbage can and a gas can, come find out. But I got this, um, a lighter, and I, I got the, um, the gas can. And, you know, if I were to put the lighter right to the edge there and, and like, click it, like, it's, ooh, it's scary, right? Oh, what's going to happen? Okay, so I put it over here, and it's safe. And you, don't, you don't have to worry about it. But if I took this rag, and I, um, I did, like, a thing... Oh, 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 what? That was a lot. Okay. And I just, you're supposed to, ooh. Oh, I'm just a little, man. Oh, okay, that's, ooh, that's good. Uh-oh. Sorry. Whoever does the stuff. Okay, so check this out. You're, you're going to love this. Get, it, get in there. Okay, hold on a second. Check, check this out. Whoops. Hold on. God is smarter. Okay. That feeling you were just feeling just now, like we're all going to die, <laughs> that feeling, imagine, it's just water, guys, okay? Come on. Mostly water. I mean, I filled most of it with water. No, of course I'm not going to do that, right? That'd be stupid. I'd be an idiot. And I know the women are like, but you're a man. <laughs> and I could totally see that thing on fire right now in my mind. I know. Keep your 13,000 words to yourself. Uh, no. Right? Because we look at that and we just, we just know, you know, with gasoline, you don't mess around. You don't play with matches. We learned it when we were a little kid. But here's the thing James is trying to tell us. You walk around every day. With, at any second, you can ignite a fire that has a lot of damage. Some of us have experienced this. Some of you can remember the very words your stepfather or father or coach or whatever said to you in the second grade that you are still carrying around. You can remember the kids on the playground. You remember the nickname. You remember all this stuff. You can, you can almost feel 
what it felt like back then. And that was a long, long time ago where people were just poking fun or doing whatever. Some of you can remember stuff your ex-husband or ex-wife said that still wounds you so deeply that if you're the new relationship you're in, if they even mention some of those types of words or whatever, it just makes you cringe or your heart starts pounding or you get this thing, this sick feeling in your stomach. All they were were words. And yet they've had that big of an impact on you. All all the person said was just just a side little note about something, just a side little statement, and it just wounded and cut Maybe they didn't even mean to because our mouths are soaked in kerosene and we carry a lighter around with us. And sometimes it's just a conversation you're in and all of a sudden it starts to escalate and bam, and it just... The way we talk to our kids, the way we talk to if you're in in leadership and you're a, a boss... The way you talk to people under you, they have a big, if you're a teacher and you have kids in your classroom, if you're a coach and you're helping little kids play soccer, your words are powerful. Our words matter a lot. And what we try to do is we try to play it down and say, well, I was just kidding. I was reading uh, this week about um, when we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. And, uh, or Hiroshima, whichever way you want to go. Um, and I was just thinking about being the guy piloting the plane when they just like let it go and there's nothing, like if over the radio, hey, cancel the, like there comes a time when that thing is falling and there's nothing you can do about it. It's going to have its devastation. The same is true with our mouth. There could be a word that just comes out as you're talking to your spouse in a, rela- in a normal conversation all of a sudden. Because of what was going on in your heart, you give a little jab or you give a little thing or you, because you're insecure or whatever the thing is and it has a lasting effect. The opposite's true too. I'll bet the same people who can remember what they were called in second grade or whatever probably have one or two people in their life You may be in the career you're in because there was someone who stood beside you and said, you know what, you're really good at that. You should try that. Or you know what, don't listen to them. And you've been encouraged and you've moved farther in your life because somebody did the opposite. Their words were like water to your parched land and you just drank it up and it made a huge impact in your life. You You know what's weird as I read the Bible? We talk about Satan and we talk about all this kind of, you know, uh, God and Satan and spiritual stuff. You figure Satan, he's got the demons and, 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 and like all like the mumbo jumbo and magic and stuff he can do because he's real powerful, right? You know what he uses as his primary weapon? Words. Satan uses words. They, the Bible calls him an accuser. And so Satan, Satan will attack you in ways that are accusing. You're God, God can't use you. What you were like in high school, completely, that you're done. You, glad you had a great high school. From here on out, you're done. The, the, the Bible calls uh, Satan the father of lies. He'll lie to you. Satan uses words primarily. That's how he got Eve. 
He said, what? Like, well, you're not going to die if you eat the fruit. You're not going to die. What did he say? You're going to die? What? What did, what did Satan use with Jesus? Words. Took him to the thing. Hey, I'll give you. I'll, oh, I'll do this. I'll do that. All you got to do. All you got to do. You know what's cool? God uses words too. God gave us a whole book, several letters and books and poetry and all this kind of stuff. Words. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. That's not just fuzzy feeling. That's like, hey, God's got your back. I know what you're going through right now is really, really hard, but you're not alone. God uses words too. Here, here's what I, 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 I hope for us. I hope that we would this week and kind of as we move forward, we would begin to see just the sheer power that we have in our words. The power to destroy, to ruin relationships, the power to discourage kids, the power to um, aggravate, the power to annoy and press in, the, the, the power to dismantle, and yet also see the great power of healing and encouragement and life that these caged animals, our, our mouths have. We begin to think as we enter into conversations and as you kind of go into your workplace tomorrow or, uh, you know, you're, if you're off of school or whatever right now, you just go, go into, you know, all your friends go into Knott's Berry Farm or whatever. You begin in the back of your mind to think, what is going on in my heart that makes me want to speak right now? Because if it's good, let it flow out of, the, out of the good. I mean, this is what I love about the, the scripture in Luke. It's like, look, there's lots of good that you could be spewing out that's just bringing healing. Or is it bad? Are you insecure? Are you, do you feel uh, frightened? Are you afraid that, man, if I don't say something, I'm not going to get what I'm supposed to get because, okay, okay, let's look at that before the mouth speaks. Let me share with you just a couple more verses and then we'll, um, we'll spend some time uh, looking through this. This is just kind of a cool reminder. It goes back to what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. If anyone considers himself righteous and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. <laughs> it's almost like Jesus going right back to the Pharisees. Listen, yo, you want to be righteous? You want to wash your hands and do all the right thing and make sure that in 52 weeks a year you go to church 51 weeks a year and you know whatever control your tongue because if you can control your tongue that means something's happening in your heart that's allowing you to gain self-control in that and then this next verse is one that that we've gone over i've i've put this verse probably up 40 times since i've been the pastor here set a guard O lord over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips just get, get a guard. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the two, the, two, the guards there with the two spears and it's just kind of like, you know, they, they don't let you in. Uh, you know, that, imagine that being right there. Just set a guard there. Hark, who goes there? What? You let me out. I'm some words. No, you must go through the process. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love this verse. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Is something trying to sneak out? Hey, close that door. 
Love that. You can memorize that one. It's very, very easy. But here, here's probably the scary one and the one, again, just kind of keeping us in the idea that, that, that our words mean something. They, they matter. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, and I know in the back of your mind you're like, eh, as long as I make it to heaven, that's cool. You know what this basically says? That God really cares about what you say. Really cares about what you say. And what we're going to see in the coming weeks is that we're going we're to kind of flip-flop. One week is going to be on some really bad things we can do, and the next week will be really good things we can do and kind of keep, keep going. And I'm hoping at the end of these weeks, we're going to have some really specific tools, not to be able to control our mouths, but to be able to control our heart.